So there's a debate over whether or not the minimum wage should be raised to $15 an hour. And what I keep hearing in my social circles is that burger flippers don't deserve a livable wage. Which is ridiculous. But let's do a thought experiment. Let's say these current burger flippers and anybody who makes less than $15 an hour and has a similar role, i.e. handling food, disappeared forever and we could never replace them. The obvious bit is that fast food restaurants would shut down because nobody would make the food and there would be no cashiers. And then sit down restaurants would permanently close because no servers and no line cook. So now you have to cook all of your things yourself so you go okay we'll just go to the supermarket. But the supermarket is permanently closed because the people who stock the shelves and the cashiers are gone as well. That food is not getting delivered because delivery drivers and the people who pack and unload those trucks are also paid poorly. They are gone too. So you're gonna have to go directly to the farm to get your vegetables. And since there are limited places to get these vegetables, you're gonna wait in line for hours. And that is only if the farmhands get paid well enough. They do not only deserve a livable wage, but your respect. Welcome to another episode of Third Eye Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to creating open dialogue and conversation regarding any and all difficult topics. I am your host, Marcus Callahan, and thank you for joining me. The Trump presidency is officially over, and the Biden presidency has officially begun. Congrats to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. After Biden's inauguration around 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, he got right to work signing a slew of executive orders, most of which undid something from the last administration. Sitting in the Oval Office, Biden signed an order requiring masks and social distancing on federal property, followed by an order to provide support to un, uh, underserved communities. As part of the third order he signed, Biden rejoined the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, a treaty that the United States formally exited in November after Trump withdrew in 2017. Biden signed 15 executive orders and two other directives Wednesday, and several more will come over the next 10 days. The first three were signed on camera from the Oval Office. Biden also ended construction of Trump's signature wall on the U.S.-Mexican border by proclaiming the immediate termination of the national emergency declaration Trump used to fund it. He also rejoined the World Health Organization, which Trump abandoned in July. Biden also took executive action to reverse Trump's ban on travel from predominantly Muslim countries. Also, on his first day, Biden canceled the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline to move oil from Canada to the Gulf of Mexico rescinding Trump's approval of a project long criticized by environmentalists. It was quite the first day in office, and I sincerely hope the Biden administration can continue to be aggressive in making necessary changes. One change that Biden is trying to make is being widely debated as I speak, and that is the decision to increase the federal minimum wage from $7.25 to $15 
per hour. When the federal minimum wage was first introduced during the Great Depression in 1938, it was set at 25 cents per hour. In the 81 years since it was enacted, it has been increased 22 times to its present rate of $7.25 per hour. While 29 states, plus the District of Columbia, have minimum wage rates that are set higher than the federal minimum, the debate over whether to raise the federal rate or keep it the same has only continued to build, with critics on both sides of the issue passionately making their case to lawmakers and the American people. On one side, you have people who strongly believe that raising the minimum wage to a livable rate is the right thing to do, and is very much necessary. Then, you have those who believe that while it is the right thing to do, raising the wage will have disastrous effects for the cost of living and small business owners. Small business owners across the U.S. are split when it comes to raising the minimum wage. 43% are for it, and 39% are against it. But both think that the minimum wage is not a living wage. Now, this is a topic that could very well change the livelihoods of every American. Proponents of a higher minimum wage state that the current federal minimum wage of $7.25 per hour is too low for anyone to live on, that a higher minimum wage will help create jobs and grow the economy, that the declining value of the minimum wage is one of the primary causes of wage inequality between low- and middle-income workers, and that most Americans, including a slim majority of self-described conservatives, support increasing the minimum wage. Opponents say that many businesses cannot afford to pay their workers more and will be forced to close, lay off workers, or reduce hiring. That increases have been shown to make it more difficult for low-skilled workers with little or no work experience to find jobs or become upwardly mobile, and that raising the minimum wage at the federal level does not take into account regional cost of living variations where raising the minimum wage could hurt low-income communities in particular. I have a video that I want to play that better depicts both sides of this argument. Take a listen. We just got some news a short time ago, President Biden asking his administration to repair a potential executive order that would make federal contractors offer their workers a $15 um, a minimum wage. Steve Leisman joins us now with the latest chapter in this long-running saga. Steve. Yeah, long running. Since the first minimum wage was put in place in the 1890s in the U.S., Andrew, the issue has been litigated as far as the Supreme Court, studied by academics from restaurants, counties to whole nations and states, and like now, debated furiously by politicians. Many economists like Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen, who was originally a labor economist, they've seized on several studies showing a rise in the minimum wage does not cause employers to shed workers. Now, in terms of potential job loss, there's now a large economics literature on this. And the, the findings are that the job loss is, is, is very minimal, if, if anything. Um, so I think that the likely impact on, 
um, jobs is minimal. Supporters also argue that higher minimum wages will boost spending, adding to growth, and reduce the need for government assistance to the employed. But doesn't end there. Opponents point to a Congressional Budget Office report that found raising the minimum wage to $15 would give some 17 million Americans a raise, but result in as many as, many as 1.3 million job losses, potentially. Low-skilled workers, teenagers could be the hardest hit. Companies could be motivated to raise prices, cut hours, and potentially automate. Opponents say a strong economy and a tight labor market is the best way to raise wages, but doesn't always work. A couple facts on the minimum wage. It has not kept pace with inflation over the decades. And wages overall have not kept pace with worker productivity. And one new emerging area, more employees have fewer places to work, so they can't go down the road to get a, a raise. A higher minimum wage can help offset the lack of competition for labor, something economists are focused a lot on right now. Still... Little doubt that for some businesses, especially small ones, a $15 minimum could be a breaking point for not hiring. The question you need to figure out whether overall more workers and therefore the broader economy end up being better off at a higher minimum wage. Andrew? So that's the question, Steve. Where do you land? You think of the minimum wage. Sometimes you think of uh, you know, the, the late economist uh, Alan Kruger. How did his work change the thinking about so much of the impact on higher minimum wages, for example? So before Kruger came along in the early 90s, uh, Alan Kruger, of course, the former uh, 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 CEA chairman for uh, President Obama, before he came along and did this groundbreaking study in the early 90s, most economists believe that rise in minimum wage was bad. What he did was look at two, two, two counties, one in one state and one in another, where the minimum wage, had, wage has, had been raised, and he found that it didn't really affect employment. That study has been duplicated around the country and in other uh, other countries as well uh, to show only a minimal effect. But uh, it depends a lot about the speed with which the, w the minimum wage is raised and also uh, the amount that it's raised. So it was it was a, a really changed people's views, Andrew, but not definitively. There's still a lot of work uh, that really promotes both sides of this issue. Shepard Smith here. Thanks for watching CNBC on YouTube. Now, it's easy to see why this is such a divisive topic. And I honestly wish I had a solution that would make everyone happy. But unfortunately, the world doesn't work that way. One of the main arguments I hear against raising the minimum wage is that the cost of living will rise. And it's a fair argument. But no one who argues this ever presents a solution to the problem. I wrote a post on Facebook that I'll, I'll read in a minute, but the comments of the posts were pleasantly surprising. Um, people stated their opinions, and no one called anyone out of their name or said anything malicious. Um, <laughs> it was, it was uh, a sight to behold. Uh, I'll read a few of the comments that I thought made great points. Uh, here's what I wrote in my post. So, I've seen about a million different takes on the whole $15 minimum wage thing and most people who are against it say it's because the cost of the living will rise as well basically making the wage increase useless i get the concept behind that but why doesn't anyone who uses this argument ever offer any other solutions forcing people to work for an unlivable wage just to keep the cost of living down is not a viable option so what's the solution
And here are a few of the comments to this post. Leah Clinton says, I think there are just way too many aspects to it. Should big companies be held to standards? Yes. But can they hold big companies to that standard without crush, uh, crushing the small man? Probably not. We would all be fools to think raising minimum wage wouldn't raise every other thing in some shape or form. Like when I got my first job, I made $5 an hour. Since I was 15, they could pay me under minimum wage. I didn't even bat an eye. I was just so excited to be working. When I turned 16, I got a raise to $6 an hour. This job wasn't meant for first time, or this job was meant for first time job seekers. I watched many of my older coworkers at the time start there, then move into management. Now I get that not everyone wants to be a manager, but it's about moving into that next step to get that next dollar, especially at an amusing, amusement park, which also makes me think, amusement parks hire a lot of people. Now if they had to pay three times the amount they were paying me then, ticket prices would go way up, without a doubt. Then when I moved to Wawa, I got hired at $8. I was super shocked. Within the year, I had moved up to $9.50. Then it just kept growing, like normal companies should do. I will always praise Wawa for their people skills, though. They recently moved their own company minimum wage up to be hired at $10 an hour. Boom. Perfect. They did what was right. Then they offer yearly raises based on performance. There is just way too much to be like, okay, yes, blanket, $15 per hour across the board. Monica Vandermeer says, The minimum wage was raised to $15 where I live a few years ago. The arguments were the same. Businesses will close. Prices will go up. But it didn't happen. Businesses stayed open, and the world didn't end. It can work. Liliana Baru says, Dude, five years ago, I quit a $15 an hour job because they refused to give me a raise. Five years ago, that number was unacceptable to me. Now it's just a slap in the face. People who argue this are basically saying that no matter what, someone must work for under a living wage, and they can all kiss my ass. <laughs> the last comment that I want to focus on is from Malachi Sadler. He says, honestly, it should be state-based with the bracket where it can be $15 where cost of living isn't expected to increase within four years and more where it is. The increase is known years in advance based on trends within each area. The one and only tune I can say I agreed with Trump on is that state-based makes more sense than $15 nationwide. Each person who commented on that post made some very good points, but still, no real solutions were offered that could work for everyone. So, I ask you all, my listeners, what solution would you come up with for making sure everyone in the country could have a livable wage? All right, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Third Eye Podcast. This episode was meant to be like an introduction to this topic, because it's such a complex thing to figure out. So there will be another episode on this topic soon. And I may even bring some of the people who commented on my posts as guests. 
Uh, I hope you all are having a great start to your year, and I thank you for your continued support. I love you all, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. (laughs) Remember, be kind to one another and love each other. See you next time. Have a great night.